Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good evening, everyone. Um, so Greg did steal part of my intro, but that's because I shared with him what I want to get talked about. So now I need to be a bit more creative. But yes, my wonderful family and um, two of them are sitting in the front, uh, wife Amre and uh, my son Etienne and daughter Emma. And um, almost right, as, as Greg said, we, were, we joined 18 years ago. We were sitting kind of here in the middle to the left, um, November, December 2004. And at that service, five different people came to invite us to a connect group after the service. We were totally, I think about four of them were in the same connect group, but that's a different story. <laughs> but we were totally overwhelmed by the love that we just received from, from the group here. And, and um, actually in reflecting for tonight, I realized how that really changed our lives. Both my wife and I, we were just friends at that stage. We married 15 years last year, so going 16 years now. Um, we really got to, got to make friends in, in, in this place. Um, we were new to Joburg, we didn't know anyone, and this is where our family really began. And, and I think it's, it's amazing how the people that we met in that very first Connect group 18 years ago, we're still doing life with them together now. Some of the, most, all of them have moved on from the hub. They've involved in uh, Bryanston service and Westrand and some of the morning service and things like that. And, but we still meet to um, see each other uh, every month and just growing together with church family. I think that's an such an amazing blessing in which I want to encourage you all to take part in if possible. So, as, as Pastor Greg said, we're talking about financial glow-up, and, and this is the last, last sermon in the series, and firstly, Michael took us through money and obedience, and really focusing on that God wants our heart, He wants us to prosper, and not just in finances, He wants us to prosper full stop, or exclamation mark probably. Um, and he, but he, more than that, he wants our, our obedience. And uh, last week, Josephine talked about that everything we've got belongs to God. And God really lends it to us or borrows it to us. Sorry, English, my second language as well. Um, he gives us the money to use, to be stewards of it. So I, I personally wasn't here. Yeah, I was traveling for work, but I listened to the podcast. And I would encourage you really to, to listen to the podca podcast. It's just how Josephine from her life experience, take us through the experience that she's got with, with God and, and money. Cool. Yeah. There's no slides in the back, so I need to remember where my slide transitions go now. Um, I, I grew up in Cape Town, northern suburbs of, of Cape Town, and in a, in a God-fearing home. And my parents loved Jesus, and they made sure that I go to to kids' church from Yei. Um, growing up at the Inge Kerk, you, you can't miss a sermon. If you, don't, if you miss a, ser a Sunday, you don't get a sticker at the end of the year. It's a very, very big thing. <laughs> But later on, um, I got involved in church through the youth ministries and things like that. And, and then I got to know our Domini at the time, uh, a minister, uh, very well. And, and he used to love this story. And, and this week, I learned that this story is called an allegory. Is that the right word, Greg? Greg told me. So, an allegory, and I had to Google it to make sure I don't use words that I don't know what it is. It's a fictional story that's got a deeper meaning. Oh, so says Dr. Google. 
The allegory goes like this. We all know Jesus died on the cross. He um, rose again. He spent some time with his disciples. And after 40 days, he goes up to heaven. And obviously, when he arrives in heaven, it's a huge party. The, the angels are, are there, Michael and Gabriel and the whole host. And, and all the saints that's been before him was there. And they're like, in, wow, Jesus, that was absolutely amazing. You really showed the devil who's boss. It's pretty much done. And, and they were having a party, as I said, and, and Noah and, and David was talking about how the earth looked before the flood, and, and everyone, and it's just a, a real awesome experience. And, and then they were starting wondering, okay, cool God, so oh Jesus, you've, you've pretty much done it now. So when you totally finish this off now, I mean, there's still an earth, and there's still, you know, when are we going back? When are we taking the armies and take it all over? And, and Jesus took... And this was the smart guy, it was Elisha. He came to and asked Jesus this. And, and Jesus took Elisha's arm and he kind of walked to the edge of the cloud because there's clouds in heaven. And, and, and he showed then, see, you see that, that little, you know, Jerusalem? You see that little room there, Jerusalem? And, and Elisha said, yeah, that's, that's the, the upper room. Yeah, I know about that. That's where you just came from pretty much. He says, yeah, but do you see the, the people in there? Yeah, it's the 11, 11 disciples and there's friends and family and things like that. But, but Jesus, what's the plan? Jesus, you, we need to go and kill off Satan now. We need to finish it off. What's the plan? Jesus, well, that's my plan. And Elisha kind of looked and uh, yeah, they're cool. That's a cool plan. But what's plan B? Because plan A is not going to cut it. And Jesus said, there's no plan B. And I think what we're talking about tonight is how we are plan A. And how we make plan A work with God. And we've got, so we're talking about money and missions. And really about, and, and I love what Zach shared from the, the other side, and I'm going to touch on that tonight, tonight a little bit. But how we can be the people who put the 300,000 rand in the accounts. <laughs> And whether that's for a mission in a foreign country for a, for, or for the, the havens here in, in, in Joburg or for whatever ministry you're called to, to support or called to serve in or called to, to, to dedicate your resources to, how can we be the ones that really be the people in, involved in that? So I want to take you through a contemporary example first. And some of you may know Tilly. And I had the awesome experience of being in touch with her the last couple of um, couple of weeks, um, just to, to talk through real-life experience of a missionary. Um, I think when you hear the word missionary, everyone's probably got a different concept. Some of us grew up in different ages where missionaries were, look different to what they look today. Today, probably most of the missionaries, well, a lot of missions go from Africa, and we go and take over the world, and, and we take the gospel um, to, uh, to the nations, which maybe was not um, a while ago. But the sermon is not just about theoretical, about being a, a mission, uh, supporting a missionary. And just as, as Zach has shared, how the practical impact on the other side of the receiving of those support goes, I want to take you through some of Tilly's story. Um, and as I talk tonight, I want you to, to think on the practical side of the experience of this missionary. It's not a theoretical um, sermon. It's not about, yeah, someone else needs to give to someone else. It's 
what are we called, what are you called, what am I called to give to whom, and it, make it practical. So, just like Lereko, I forgot to which sermon I come to, even though I'm coming in 18 months, or 18 years, so I should have actually got Silly to make a video, but I didn't. So she sent me her biography, and I'm going to take a couple of minutes just to read through it. And, and again, the intention is for us to, to start getting practical and not theoretical. And, and these, are, these are people that we are supporting, these are institutions that we are supporting that makes a change in life. So let me just do this before I start reading. So those who don't know, Chile is a missionary in Japan at the moment for the last three years. But let me read through a story. I was born in a small village in Limpopo. My dad is a self-made businessman who came up from a very, very poor background. He ran a successful business in Toyando, even though it kept him from his family. He trained us to be in business from a very young age. He wanted all of us to be well-educated and, and own our own businesses, as well as caring for family business. At a young age, he sent me to a commercial high school, and then I enrolled at the University of Cape Town to study BCom accounting. His heart for me was to accomplish financial security, and when I got accepted to UCT for accounting, it was a great moment of glory. He was a happy father. I was very happy too. I didn't know anything, but my only goal was to become rich, and becoming a chartered accountant was one of the best ways to get there. After UCT, I went to the University of Johannesburg, and my journey led me to find every nation. When I arrived in his people, now every nation, it was a new, very new church plant, and I got discipled, and my ministry journey began at UJ. I never knew that I would become a missionary. I never dreamt of that. In fact, my father and I didn't like the life of pastors. We thought seeing a pastor means being poor. I vowed not to ever be married to a pastor, and I'm so happy that the Lord frees us from our foolish vows and commitments. When my father found out I was becoming a pastor, he was disappointed. I thought he would disown me, but he didn't. Well, to my surprise, I got ordained as a pastor at every nation on campus. I served UJ and Rosebank for seven years, and then I received a call to plant a church in Toyando, my own province. I served every nation campus, University of Venda, for four years, and we saw amazing work um, of the Lord in the campus. After a couple of years, I knew I needed to start preparing to exit. God had already promised that he will send me to Asia. I waited 10 years for that promise to be fulfilled, and eventually I received an invitation from Every Nation Church in Tokyo. I didn't know Every Nation in Tokyo at all. For me, it was such a surprising moment that I could receive an invitation from them. I was amazed at how faithful God is when he is true, and he is true to his word. This is where I still am today. So, when I became a full-time minister of the gospel in 2006, after graduating university, I was a bit scared. I didn't know how I would be provided for. I've never heard of Ministry of Partnership Development. I recall our leader at church came to me and gave me an envelope and said, Chile, I would love to be your MPD partner for the next 12 months. That became my first partner. After that, I was sent for School of Ministry, and I was also taught about building a team for ministry. My story is that through MPD, I always had people approach me at the right time, answering the call to partner with me, people that I knew at and some that, that I've never met. I recall another story of a young Afrikaans family who parted with me just because they read my newsletter and they said they were looking for someone to support and they believed God led them to me. They partnered with me for many years. There are people who are faithful to the call of God to partner with his mission. 
whether through prayer, finance, or by giving. I have many stories uh, of such testimonies. I'm now 15 years in ministry and on MPD still today. I'm amazed that God has placed people with a conviction to finance the work of ministry in my life. I could tell many stories of people who would give to me so that I can continue to the ministry with no demands, no requirements, trusted that I use the finance, that, trusting that how I use the finance is good enough as God is with me. I have had many highs and lows in ministry and support, but God has always showed to be faithful through it all. I live to know that God is my provider and he determines my salary. I continually journey to believe this and accept it. So tonight we're going to look at how we can be those people to partner with the Chilis, to partner with the Haven, to partner with the other areas. So let's, let's pray. Father, I ask that you, you open our hearts and that all preconceived ideas we had about finances and money and all those things we can, we can put aside, Lord, and we can really just hear what your heart says, hear your dream, and, and, and talk to us. Where we, you need to convict us, convict us. Where you need to reassure us, reassure us, Lord. And you know, just be, just, just come with your words, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking through Deuteronomy, uh, I knew I was going to struggle with the word, Deuteronomium in Afrikaans, uh, Deuteronomy, um, over the last couple of weeks. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy 9, verse 1 to 3. So let's read together. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go, into and to go and to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, who you know, of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know, before, know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. I'm going to touch on, on two sections which are highlighted there. And first of all, God, God called the Israelites to go to a place of a different culture. And in this place, it was kind of dangerous. Anak was literally, they were, they were giants all, all the time. Well, Anak was known as a giant. And God, chose, God asked them to, to go to this place because he, he could have, and, and uh, as a complaint, why didn't God just tell, tell them, stay in the desert, I gave you manna and, and, the, and, and the birds and things to eat. Surely God could have created another Garden of Eden for the Israelites in the, in, in the desert. Surely he could have made the desert and sand go away and made it a beautiful garden and, and the Israelites would be comfortable and God, they would be with God and God would be with them. But I believe it is because even though God loves his people, he doesn't just love his people, he loves all people. And he wanted to bring his culture to all people. And that's why he asked the, the Israelites to go into, into this territory, to, to where there was great cities, where there were uh, lots of people, and, and take his culture and his culture of justice, grace, love, peace, to take that into, into that country. Secondly, it, it was quite dangerous. Um, 
it, it doesn't say um, it doesn't say that you're going to have no problems. And we know from later on there were a lot of wars that the Israelites had, had to fight. And I think, fortunately, in, in the lives that we live at the moment, is not a lot of our uh, our missionaries are physically endangered where where they operate. And obviously, there there are, and we've got. Uh, we all know what's happening in the Ukraine, and we've got a church in the Ukraine that is really under f- real physical danger at the moment. And in um, preparing for tonight, I actually learned that we've got seven Every Nation pastors that's in, ch- it's in jail across the world at the moment. So danger will be with us. But what's amazing is the last sentence there, that the God doesn't only partner with us or go with us, He actually goes before us. And He actually prepares the prepares the ground for us so that it's not just about him sending us and say go and take my take my culture to this people he's preparing the word the way for us he's preparing our people for for where we go so that's all good and well for the israelites and but that's a couple of thousands years ago what about us today and i want to really i split it out into four sessions of why we need to why we need to go. And the first thing is we plan A. And as, we, as I mentioned earlier, there, there's no, no plan B. Um, we are the plan. And God has given us different um, gifts and talents to partner with Him. I'm not a singer, even though I sometimes think I am. I know I'm not. And I, I'm unfortunately not going to stand up here. Um, but I've got other talents. But just as much as I might not stand up here and sing doesn't mean that I can't sing and I shouldn't sing to glorify God. Just because you, as an individual, might not have the talent and the gift to become enormously wealthy to sponsor 300,000 rand to the havens doesn't disqualify you you from, from giving. Doesn't disqualify you from giving what you've got. And partnering with God. Every one of us has got a role that we need to, to, to play in that. So if you are one of the, the people that's been gifted to go to the marketplace and really become wealthy so that you can invest in the missions of God, great, then let's do that. But also don't wait for the other guys to pay the 300,000 rand. 300,000 rand is made up of 300,001 rands. So if... If you're not the one that's called for that, make sure that what are you called for? Where should you invest? Where should you partner with God and what you need to do? Secondly, as is clear in the Scriptures, mission doesn't, mission doesn't only bring God, it brings God's society. And God loves the people, loves people, and He wants to bring His culture to that place. We're a church where our and I'm going to read it so that I don't make any mistakes here. Our mission is to honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. It's not an accident that we've got transform nations in there. We believe we are a discipleship church that partners with God to go and change nations. And our vision is we see lives, communities, society transformed through the discipleship in the Word, the presence, and the power of God. That's why we go to campuses. That's why we've got havens. That's why we send missionaries. And also, as I mentioned earlier today, I was um, 
last week this time I was actually in, in Kampala. I was for work, I had to go to Uganda. And the, currently, with post-COVID, the flights is a bit crazy. So we had to fly at 8, AM, 8 p.m. here. I landed at 1 a.m. there, only got to the hotel at 3 a.m., got a little bit of sleep in, and as we left the hotel for lunch, on Sunday afternoon, I, I saw this sign in, uh, in front of the, the hotel that we stayed in. So it's one conference room. They've got two churches in that same conference room at different times. And I promise you, from that morning, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., they were singing in that church. So the question is, why if this? And if, if you go, sorry, if you go down the streets of Kampala, you'll see signs for churches everywhere. Why, why is there space for another church? I think key to this is our mission and our vision is to raise leaders and to transform the nations. Those churches is great. I, I don't know. I didn't attend. And I saw Gabriel is in charge of both of them. And I don't know who Gabriel is. Um, but we've got a specific mandate and we've got a specific role to play. And thinking through that, it actually made me wonder. So I googled and I found we've got a church in Gambala. And by chance, that church sending the disciples, the part of their vision, part of their mission is becoming a church that transforms the nations, that disciple people, that make people live in the, uh, in, in as Lord, uh, the God, our Lord our God and um, move forward. Also interesting, that church was started predominantly, and if you go to their website, you'll read a little bit about them, by a mission from Every Nation um, London that went on a mission to, to Kampala, trained the people there, and from there the, the church grew um, to what it is today. And very similar to us, impacting the, impact the campuses, impact the nation. And thirdly, it changes you by missioning with God. Um, obviously, it changes the people that you support. Zach just showed how it really impacts the, the people that you support. And even as, as Chile has said as well, that she, she, they're reliant on, on, on the finances. But it changes you when you start supporting and investing and partnering with God in a specific area. Um, when you start financially investing in, in, in a specific place, your heart follows, your mind follows, your, your thinking follows, your praying follows. And a couple of years ago, for a period, we supported the ministry in, in, in a foreign country. And for some reason, and I don't know, actually don't know why, we didn't set up a, a fixed monthly debit order to run at the exact date every month. We, at the beginning of the month, we remembered and then we paid and there were one or two months that, unfortunately, we didn't remember at the beginning of the month, but the second week of the month, oh, yeah, we need to pay. And then, then we paid, and we didn't really think too much of it. You know, we paid the money, and, you know, it should be, should be all good. And then once, the, once they came back from, um, from the mission that they were on, they told us about how sometimes they didn't have any money in their account, and they were just waiting for our money to, to arrive. And... I just realized how direct the impact is what we've got in, in, in partnering with God. It's not just a theoretical, oh, the money goes into a heap and you know, when they need it, they'll use it and when they don't need it, they don't use it and then they'll save it and they'll use it for something else. It's a direct partnership with God in making His word world known. 
And then lastly, why, and I could have probably started with this, is it's a command. Um, we all know Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, and reading that, uh, I want to be as, as provocative of saying we've only really got three choices in there. So either we choose to ignore it and say, ah, it's not that important. It's someone else. This, this scripture is actually for someone else. It's, it's not for me. Or we, we go, and you know, some of us in this room might be and probably are called to, to go somewhere at some stage in our lives. Or we're involved in sending and supporting. So that's all good and well that we need to, to go. But how do we start? How do we partner with God? And I think in, in, in reflecting on this, my, my first one is Matthew 6.21 says, Where your money is, there your heart will be. And I want to encourage you not to be a scattergun and focus and partner with specific, in specific areas in your life. Yes, uh, 100 rand, 500 rand, oh, sorry, wrong button. 500 rands, make a 500 rand, and you, in, you're partnering with 500 people, oh, five people, but investing 500 rand with one person does have a bigger impact. Also, that gives your, your opportunity to partner with that, in more than, that individual or that partnership in more than just finances. Gives you opportunity to, to pray with them. Gives you opportunity for being emotionally involved with them, to, to partner with them in more than just a, a, a financial sense. So in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, God says He loves a cheerful giver. So when we give, not out of compulsion, and Josephine talked last week about uh, first tithes and, and, giving, um, and, and giving a tenth, which really is a command of God saying, you know, you need to give a tenth. Partnering with Him with missions is, is much more us saying, God, where can I invest? How can I invest? There isn't a command that said the first 10% is to the church and the next 5% goes to missions. There's no such scripture in Bible. It's really about us finding that, that places where we need to partner with God in a very proactive way. And then be consistent. I think don't be like I was in that scenario where I wasn't consistent and at the beginning of the month that money was, was there. And if you can't be consistent, be clear about that. If you want to partner with someone, say, listen, I want to partner with you, but I can only do it for three months. State that. Be clear about that. It gives that other person or, the, uh, or the, uh, the, the team an opportunity to plan appropriately. Make sure that you, if it's a once-off uh, investment or a partnership, it's a once-off investment. Be clear about it. And if you want to partner with someone for a year or for a longer period, go for it. Just be clear about it and be consistent and be, be reliable. But then also be, be realistic and, and trust God. Um, don't get yourself into credit or in a compromised situation. But as Josephine again said last week, and I really loved the message, was there was an, an example of someone who was paying off credit. And then instead, and when the credit was paid off, they decided to rather use that normal payment for credit to sow into missionaries. So just plan better. Plan better and plan with God so that you've got the opportunity and you've got the, the resources to, to work with God in, in, in these scenarios.
So I want to close with just a couple of thoughts. And, and first, of all, first of all, that we need to start some, somewhere. And it's going to cost you something. Don't think that one day when I've got, when I've got my money and I'm gonna, not going to notice it, then is the time to start, then is the start to start giving. We need to start now and build that routine into our lives and wherever we, we operate. If, if you're going to think that, yeah, but I've got these needs and these wants and I just want to close this out, the heart is a deceitful thing and those wants grow and those wants will become more and you're going to need more and need more and need more. Start small and start with what you've got in, in your hands at the moment. Also, importantly, and we spoke a lot about uh, giving to, to foreign countries and to foreign cultures, but sometimes we need to give here. Sometimes we need to give in our campus and, and our, in our youths, and sometimes we need to be creative about it. Um, Pastor Greg has told the story of, of in, in London meeting um, a, a lady that her heart was for Somalia. And, but she struggled. She couldn't get to Somalia, and she didn't know. And every time something fell in place, and she never managed to, to get to Somalia, and she was starting to, to ask the Lord, Lord, did I hear wrong or, or not? And actually, Pastor Greg asked her, but is your heart for Somalia or for Somalians? And when she heard that, internalized it, realized that there's so many Somalians living amongst her that she could start impacting and that she could start living with. So don't wait until one day you're the missionary in Japan or one day when you've got the lots of zeros in your bank account. You need to start investing and start, and start partnering and start with that, that role now. So I want to encourage you that, that you are God's plan A. Well, God's plan, full stop. But there isn't a plan B. Plan A is it. It's been running for 2,000 odd years and... And it's our job to, to make it continue running. And, and maybe there's someone in, in, the, in the room that, that is the, the next Chile, that is called to, to Japan. And I want to encourage you to, to make those plans, to build up those partnerships, to, to work and to see, well, how do I get to where, where you need to go? And maybe there's some of us that really is called to, to create the wealth, to empower those people that goes to Japan, to go that goes to the end of the world. But what I do know is that everyone in this room is called to partner with God. Every one of us is called to, to invest in His kingdom, to invest in partnership with missionaries and with institutions and with groups out there. So Tiam is in charge of missions across the, every nation, from every nation, Rosebank. So if you really feel that you want to partner with God and in the mission field, Please contact him if you don't know where to start. If, if you really want, an, want something else, and Zach talked um, a couple of minutes ago about what they're doing in, in the Havens ministry, investigate and seek where's the opportunities for you to, to partner with God in, in these missions. So I want to really close off with asking what's in your hand? What is in your hand? What did God give you to? to partner with him now. Let's just pray. Father, thank you that, that you see us worthy enough to be your plan. Thank you that, that you want to partner with us, 
and you value the value that we can provide to partner with you. You didn't make your own plan. You didn't create bags of resources that missionaries can tap into themselves. You use us to send the missionaries into the different areas, Lord. But I also want to pray for the, the individuals that are not in a position to, to partner with you financially, Lord. I want to pray that you, that you provide the jobs where the jobs need provided. You provide the breakthrough where the breakthrough need to provide it, Lord. That you can get them in a situation where they can also have the privilege and the absolute honor to partner with you in providing and in, in bringing your culture and your society really to the ends of the earth, starting where we are and to the ends of the earth. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.